Hey there, and thanks for listening to our podcast. Our mission at Hope is to invite everyone to find Jesus and help them move toward the center of God's purpose for their life. Here's this weekend's message. Well, hey, good morning. Welcome to all of our campuses, Frisco West, McKinney, Prosper, here at Frisco East, everyone watching online. Glad you're with us. How many feeling good today? Feeling good? Good? A little bit? Well, you just wait, man. I got a word. I'm ready. Hey, um, before I dive into that, uh, this this weekend ends our quarter for Prosper Giving, our Prosper Campus. If you didn't know, 2019, we started a Prosper Campus. We're in the high school there, and we bought land in 2020, right before COVID, and, and then now we're building. They're getting ready to lay the foundation, and we're on this journey financially, and I know anytime we talk about money in church, everybody gets, it's like, because it's, you think it's yours. It's not. It's his. It's all his, but we get nervous, and, and so I want to encourage you today, um, as we are in this journey, and we're, we're trying to pay this thing debt-free in, in two years, within two years, and so we, we, if, in trying to do that, we need everybody on board, but I, instead of just taking that offering or, or encouraging you to give, I, I, wanna, I want you to listen to a story. This is John and Rachel Weller. Um, they've been attending Hope for years now, but they've, their journey with God in giving, and I hope this is, in, this is encouraging to you because whether it's Prosper or whether it's Hope or, or whatever church you may attend, our relationship to God in giving matters. And so I hope this is encouraging you. This is John and Rachel Weller, and uh, be encouraged as we watch. Hi, my name is Rachel Weller. And I'm John Weller, and we've been going to Hope Fellowship for four years. The interesting thing about us finding Hope is we uh, born, both born and raised in Indianapolis, Indiana, and we were really engaged in a church up there and in a small group. And as we were preparing for marriage, our pastor was going through a sermon series all about tithing and really going to Malachi 3.10, where this is the one opportunity we have to test God. And as I was thinking about that, the spirit really moving through me, I started talking to Rachel about the fact that I wanna start marriage off right. And I want to start with faithfully giving throughout. And so on the day of our uh, wedding rehearsal, we actually gave a check to the pastor that day uh, for the full tithe and we've been faithfully giving ever since. I think the biggest impact that we have found on tithing has actually been um, in our relationship with each other because we found that putting God first with our money and our finances, which is such a huge part of people's lives, that once we got that straightened out, then everything else just kind of worked. That we were able to communicate better, parent our children better. So it's not just a monetary type of return that we have seen in being faithful in our giving. It's basically everywhere in our lives. I think for me, it's two things. I said it at the beginning. You know, the Bible says this is that one place that we can test God. So if you think about that, and then you think about doing it with a cheerful heart, you know, God loves that cheerful giver. And so we try really hard to be able to do that. And, and, and it certainly has become easier over the 12 years, but God has blessed us in so many ways. Now it, it, we don't even make a second thought about it. So I think it's important to give to the mission to get this Prosper Campus up and running. 
because it's not just about the Prosper Campus. It's about Hope Fellowship as a whole and what we're doing and the lives that they're touching. God is faithful and He keeps His promises. We hear it in the songs, we hear it in the Bible verses, but it is true and if you just keep your heart open to Him, He will live that out in your life because we've seen it the last 12 years in our own lives. Absolutely. So encouraging and, and I wanna invite you, if you've never been a part of giving, not just here, again, this is wherever you call church home that, that you make this a, a part of your life. And, um, and the Prosper campus, we're, as, we, as I said, we're trying to build that debt free. And so if you wanna become a part of that, maybe you're new to Hope, you didn't even know we had a Prosper campus or what we're doing, we wanna invite you. You can do that in, in several ways. You can text any amount. The key word is building, 84321. You can go to hopefellowship.net slash giving and you can place it in the offering drop box. I'd love for you to be a part of that and encourage you and, and uh, you know, see what God does as you begin to give what he's given you. Every good gift comes from the Father. See what happens in your life. All right, diving into the message today. Uh, we're in a series uh, called uh, The Life You've Always Wanted. I borrowed that title from a book in the 90s, John Ortberg. But we're, we're, this whole thing is about choosing God's purpose over yours, his will over yours. The explanation for the series, let me just, if you, in case you've missed it, aligning and spending our lives learning to know God's purpose in every season of our lives. If you maybe just graduated a high school senior and you took them to college and, and you're in a new season of life, all your kids are out, um, or maybe you just started having kids, maybe you're just now married, maybe you are in a new season of a job, you're in retirement, whatever that is, there are seasons learning to know God's purpose in all of those seasons as you navigate that. And we're, we're in the text, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Paul says it like this, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your lives, your bodies to God because of all that he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind you will find acceptable. This is truly, listen to this, truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then then you will learn to know. Many of us thought about God's will or his purpose as something very much hidden, very much, man, I don't even know if I'm ever gonna get there. We can learn to know God's will for us, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. So in week one, we started here, and then we're working our way back up the scripture. So how do you learn to know God's will for you, his good, pleasing, and perfect will? What's well, in the text. And we learned, we learned the, the, if you just go right to the text, here's what we learned. Here are the, the points that we gave you in week one. Number one, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. Number two, allow God to transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then, verse one, true worship. Offer up your bodies to God as a living sacrifice. This is truly the way to worship. Now, what we're doing is spending five weeks in true worship. What does that mean to truly worship the Lord? And uh, last week, I, I gave you this, this life of worship uh, visual graphic that to me, when I see things, it helps me learn. It helps me go, oh, okay, I see that. So let, let this represent our lives and the categories of our lives 
I know this might not be an exhaustive list, but it's going to capture most of the categories of our lives. And last week we started with this true worship uh, kind of life is offering ourselves. In other words, not just Lord, uh, not just Savior of our lives, but Lord of our lives. Luke 9, 23. If anybody of you wants to be my followers, put aside your selfish ambition, shoulder your cross, take up your cross, and follow me. It's about lordship. It's about giving all of us, not just a cultural Christianity, not just I was raised in church, not just I was confirmed, I went through catechism, I was baptized, I became a member, I raised a hand, whatever. It's making him Lord of our lives. And then the other part of ourself, the not so good part of ourself, the sinful nature, we offer up our sin on a continual basis, not to feel guilty or condemned. We just offer it and say, God, this is the part I don't like. I offer it up to you. We talked about that a lot in detail. Today, I wanna talk about another area, and that's spiritual formation. Now, I know that we just did a series right before this series called Messy Spirituality, where we, we talked about spiritual formation, unity and, and community and growing in your faith and, and scripture and, and so forth. So that's not really what I'm gonna talk about today. I'm gonna talk about the why of spiritual formation. But before I get to why, let me define, this is my definition of spiritual formation because many of you, that's not a term that you use a lot. Let me give you my definition. Spiritual formation. Intentionally forming our lives with the Spirit's power to be conformed to the image of Jesus. So there's work, there's effort, there's discipline in our lives are part of this. We form our lives with the help of the Holy Spirit. Actually, he's more part of this. And, and, that's, and that's how we become in the image, uh, become the image of Jesus right here, right now. Philippians chapter three, Paul says it this way. I keep working for that day. Now, we're not working for our salvation. We're not working to be made right with God so that he will someday accept us if we get good enough. We're working so that we can be all that Christ Jesus saved us for and wants us to be live in his purpose. Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, verse 18. So all of us who have had that veil removed, in other words, we accepted Christ, we can see clearly or more clearly and, and reflect the Lord, or the glory of the Lord, and the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like him, like Jesus, as we are changed into his glorious image. So two things come together. We form our lives, work, effort, discipline, Spirit, as we do that, comes alongside of us and we are changed into his image. That's spiritual formation. So when I use that term, spiritual formation, I'm hoping that you understand some of what I'm saying. And let me give you a list. Okay, so when you hear me say spiritual formation, what does that mean? It just means this. You're reading your Bible. You're praying. You're in community. You're enjoying the Sabbath, which is rest. Not a day, it's rest. Journaling. You're reading uh, on, on different things about, about the Lord and, and his word. And there's an exhaustive list. I mean, there's a ton more that I could list. But these are things, when you hear the term spiritual formation, this is what we're talking about. Reading scripture on a regular basis. Fellowship with God through prayer. And what prayer means is talking. You're just talking to God. Community, getting involved in community, in, in, in encouraging one another in the faith. Sabbath, you're resting, you're unplugging every once in a while from the busyness of life. Sabbath is not a day anymore, Sabbath is Jesus. And we're resting in Jesus, and Hebrews talks about this over and over, that we're resting in him. He is our Sabbath, 
journaling, writing down things we're learning, writing down prayers, reading, and so forth. Now, listen to me. None of this is required for heaven, okay? So if you don't read your scripture one more day, one more time, if you don't ever pray again, and you love Jesus, and you committed your life to Christ, you will still go to heaven, okay? So, we're, so this is not legalism. This is not, hey, unless you do these things, you're, I don't know if you're gonna get there. It's about what he did, not about what we're doing. That's how we're made right with God. So let's clear that up. None of this is about legalism. However, if your heart, the life you've always wanted, this title of the series, if your heart is God's purpose over yours, the way Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, not my will be done, your kingdom come, your will be done, if that's our heart, well then it's going to require some work. It's gonna require us offering up ourselves. And what is ourselves? What is our life? Well, we're talking about that in the next four weeks. Ourself, our spiritual formation, and then we're gonna, talk, we're gonna finish that, that uh, chart, that graphic, and figure out, hey, how can I, how can we worship the Lord truly? Many, many times when you hear the word worship, you think of, oh, okay, that's what they do on the stage, we sing. Worship is lifestyle. Worship is everything. Truly worshiping him, offering up everything we are. Now, the question, though, I've already talked to you about spiritual formation. You know what it is. It's scripture, it's, it's getting into community and all those things. What I wanna talk about today and what I think is really gonna be helpful is why. John, if, if I don't have to do any of this to go to heaven, I'm good then. I don't like to read anyway. Many of you, knuckleheads, say, I don't like to read. Okay, that's okay. You don't have to. But if you, listen, if you have a relationship with the Lord, there should be a hunger and a thirst for him, as Jesus calls it. There should be this desire. None of this is because we have to. It's because we want to. It's a get to that we're talking about here. And so if you have that relationship this way, then there is a, there should be, unless you're walking in a cultural Christianity, in other words, this is the way I was raised. I was raised Catholic, I was raised Baptist. Yeah, I went to church when I was a kid, whatever. Unless you're living just in that kind of uh, relationship with God, and I'm gonna talk about that in a minute, man, you probably don't hunger. You probably don't wanna read your word. You probably don't really, you're not interested in community or prayer or whatever. But if you're trying to choose God's purpose in your life, in every season, and aligning with him, then it's going to require some things of us, some effort, some work. And that's what I wanna talk about is the reason why we do that. The reason why we offer up our spiritual formation, in other words, we give him our time, we give him ourselves, we offer this up, there's a reason why we do that. And the first, I got three of them. The first one is relationship over religion. Now, let me, bear with me here. In the Old Testament, remember when Moses took the children of Israel out of Egypt, took them into the desert, and this was like the first collective meeting of Israel. God was beginning this relationship. They knew of God. They had an Abraham, Isaac, Jacob kind of faith, but it wasn't like they really knew him, it was just like they knew of him, and so now he's bringing them into the desert and, and he gives them the law. 
Remember Moses goes on Mount Sinai, brings the Ten Commandments, and then Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, a lot of it is the law. How do we live? How do we worship? How do we sacrifice? What should we do? What should we not do? Keeping the law. Now let me ask you a question. Be honest, how many like rules? Raise your hand. If you're the kind of person who like, raise your hand high. It's, it's not an embarrassing thing. It's good. How many like rules? Nobody? Nobody? Okay, we have some. Okay, good. Now, the problem with rules is some of us like them so much that when, when our relationship with God is based on rules, we tend to go overboard in one way or the other. We tend to go, well, I can't do it, so forget it. Or we go to the extreme and we start adding to the law. We start adding, and this is what was happening in the Old Testament coming into the New Testament. These religious leaders were adding. Jesus talks about this to to the religious leaders. He says, guys, you're making everyone twice the son of hell as you are because you're burdening them with all kinds of rules that were never meant to be there. And you're, you're doing this to try to get to God? It's not working. Because sometimes we take our relationship with God to a religious type of thing. In other words, I'm gonna keep the rules, I'm gonna do this. And I remember my first message, that one of my first messages that I ever, I was a sophomore in high school, and they asked me to speak to our youth group in Harlingen, Texas. And so I was, I got my notes, man, uh, James chapter one, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways and he shouldn't expect to receive anything from the Lord. Okay, so that was my text. Now, back then, I, did, I, I butchered that whole thing up, man. I, I gave them, hey, you know what being double-minded is? If you do this, this, and this. I listed three things that you shouldn't be doing. Now, all of them today, I do. I do all three of them right? Because I was adding to the word. I was saying that I don't think you should do this. I don't think you should do that. You're going to be double-minded if you do that. I'm not going to tell you what they were because I'm embarrassed. But all three of them I do today. Crazy. What's what we do when, when, we, when we feel like keeping the rules gets us closer? And I, I want to just help you understand that it's relationship over religion. Isaiah chapter 29. I think it's verse 13. Yeah. And so the Lord says, these people say they are mine. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules learned by rote. Guys, there is a big difference between relationship and religion. They're, 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 the, the, what, what the Lord was, and this is Isaiah, so this is uh, several hundred years before Jesus. And, and what, what's coming in, in, in this preparation of the Messiah is that the Lord is revealing his heart that he wants to be close to you. He doesn't want your religion. He doesn't want just your rote. He doesn't want just your prayers that you've memorized. He wants a relationship with you. Go back to the garden. He walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. He fellowshiped. He was friends. That's what he wants. Ephesians, Paul says it like this, chapter three. He says, and may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. You'll never understand how much he loves you. My mom told me this all growing up. 
even to this day, she says, you'll never understand how much I love you until you have kids of your own. And then she was, as she's whooping me, you'll never understand. And I know, you can send me an email on that. I don't care. You're better if you whoop. But, but, don't clap. It's okay. Um, I understand that now. I got four kids, and man, they don't understand how much I love them. I got two grandkids, Lucy and Milo. They have no clue how much I love them. They, they can't even comprehend right now how much I love them. You understand what I'm saying? And this, is what, this is what God is saying to us. He says, you have no idea. You have no idea how much I love you. And you're thinking right now in your head, yeah, you don't know what I did last night. Yes, he does. He knows. And he loves you. If you could only understand how much he loves you, how wide, how high, how deep, how long, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. When Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? Mark uh, chapter 12, here's what he said. The most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, he's copying this from the Old Testament. The Lord our God is the one and only God and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. What do I mean? It's about relationship. It's about learning to love God, not just keep the rules. That's one of the reasons we put forth an effort disciplining ourselves to read scripture. It's, it's not just because we're keeping rules. It's because we're in a relationship. And, and the more you read, the more you pray, the more you you're in community, the closer you get to God, and, it, and it's about this James 4, draw close to God, and he what? He draws close to you. This, this spiritual formation, again, it's not about legalism. It's not about you have to. It's that you get to. We get to be in relationship with him. Very important part of spiritual formation. This one, I want you to, if you don't, if you don't take notes on anything else, I want you to take notes on this one. The second reason I'm giving is perseverance. Now, let me explain. One of the reasons why spiritual formation, in other words, getting close to God, drawing close to God, he draws close to you, is perseverance. Remember the story of Job? Job was in the, in the Old Testament, um, probably one of the oldest stories, books in the Bible. But at any rate, Job, I'm not gonna go into the whole detail, but Job was very wealthy, family and all that stuff. He lost it all. He lost his family he lost his money, he lost everything he had, and then he got sick, and he had boils all over him, and he's, he's, he's sitting there before the Lord, and it's not that he didn't question, it's not, it's not like he didn't say, God, what, have I done something, whatever, but there was something about Job and God and their relationship. And if you go back and read it, it's, 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 a, it's a hard read, right? I mean, I think it's just 41 chapters, I think, but it's, it's, and when I say hard read, I just mean it's like one thing after another. I mean, bad thing after bad thing, and some of you know a little bit of what that's like. Some of you were raised in an abusive home. Some of you were raised in tragedy. Some of you were raised in very difficult, or you're walking through very difficult things right now in your life. And you know what it's like to be challenged. You know what it's like to walk through the fire and walk through trials and even tragedy. And Job, here's what he says in chapter 13. He says, though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. Can you get there? See, when this relationship right here is, is really strong, 
Job lost it all. I mean, he is on his deathbed, and he is saying with his words on his deathbed, God, I don't understand it, and I don't know what's going on, but even though I lose it all, even though I'm gonna die, I'm gonna put my hope in you. Something was there between Job and God that allowed, listen, allowed him to persevere through losing everything. And guys, I'm just gonna say, some of us are so shallow in this. We get on the tollway and it's backed up and we go, why God? Right? You get on the tollway and you're late for work and you're going, why me, God? Don't you love me? I mean, I know that's stupid, but we get so shallow and something, one thing happens and we're distancing ourselves from God. He didn't hear my prayer. He didn't answer my prayer. He's not, whatever. Guys, listen to Paul. He goes into great detail in in 2 Corinthians chapter four, but I'm gonna go to chapter 11. And here's how he describes some of the things that he's going through. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I know I sound like a madman, but I've served him far more. I've worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. How many might be thinking, after the first 39 lashes, you're thinking maybe this isn't God's will. Maybe I'm doing this wrong right? Maybe, no, I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, picked up rocks and threw them at him. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. And this is not because he was on a cruise ship, right? Okay, so we're not talking about Paul and it's just little life and he's, he's enjoying this and he, oh, I had a wreck. No, 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 no. All of this, all of this was because he was preaching the gospel. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. I have faced danger from me, from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I've been hungry, I've been thirsty, and I've often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then besides all of this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. And pastor said, amen. Who is, who is weak without me feeling that weakness? Who is led astray and I do not burn with anger? What am I saying? Paul, in the middle of his call, in the middle of God's purpose for his life, Guys, none of us in this room, none of us at any campus have gone through what Paul went through. And yet he says all of this and he keeps going. He says, I don't quit. I don't give up. There was something in Paul's relationship with God that allowed him to walk through the challenges. James chapter one, verse two says it like this. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider an opportunity for great joy. And I know we don't like this verse, but just hear me out. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. That's what we're talking about, growing. We're talking about putting ourselves in a form, forming ourselves spiritually so that we can grow, so that when it grows and when our endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Let me put it on the screen like this. The closer we get to God, the more we trust him. The more we trust him, the more able we are to persevere through any challenges. When you know God, 
When there is a deep relationship that you have with the Lord, and when the challenges arise, when things that happen in your life that you do not understand and are not fair, doctor's report, tragedy, all of us, we've walked, all of us have walked through challenges. But instead of distancing ourselves from God and kind of walking away in frustration, anger, bitterness, throwing up our hands and our hearts saying, why God, why me, I don't understand. And it's not that the questions intimidate God. All I'm saying is, man, in those times, you leverage your relationship with him because you have formed, you have worked, you have put forth effort in the relationship. It's like a marriage that when you, when you work during the hard times, through the hard times, you get stronger. But when you distance yourself, when you just walk away and say, you're whatever, man, I encourage you, with God, when the troubles come, when the challenges come in life, man, get closer. And when you get closer, you're gonna trust him more. And when you trust him more, when the challenges, when the tragedies, when the trials, when the problems come, you're good, you're good. This is why we form our lives spiritually. It's not legalism, it's not about you, you know, memorizing all kinds of prayers or even scripture. This is about you getting close to God and when you get close to him, you trust him. And when you trust him, whatever comes your way, Paul, Job, whoever, there's a solid relationship there. Now the third, the reason we offer up this part of our lives, the spiritual formation, the reason we work, the reason we put forth effort, the reason that we truly worship him in this area is because it's about relationship, not just keeping the rules. It's about persevering through anything that comes our way. And the closer we get to him, the, the more stable and more solid we are. And the number three is productivity. Now let me explain. Productivity, there's two kinds of productivities in the, in the spiritual life. It's right living and influence. In other words, we are productive in right living and we are productive in the influence that we have. So listen, hear me out. Let's start with 2 Peter chapter, uh, chapter one. Here's, here's what Peter says. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and, and then escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Now, in view of all this, in view of what he's done, in view of his promises, make every effort. There's that word again. And I know many of us don't like that word. It's like, oh, I don't like that word. It's a good word. We make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith. So in all of what God has done, because of what he's done, because of his promises, supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. Listen to this. The more you grow, this is what we're talking about, the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus. This is about right living. Add to your faith moral excellence and moral excellence, um, patient endurance, and patient endurance, brotherly love and love for everyone. See, when you get close to God, 
your life is going to line up better with his purposes. You're going to, your life is going to line up better with his word. And that right living then becomes influence. Listen to this, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter five. Here's what he says about right living. You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. Listen, in the same way, let your good deeds, let your right living, the work and the effort, not made, you're not working and making efforts so that he'll accept you. I was raised in that kind of environment where, man, I got saved, but boy, I had to work to keep it. No, man, we missed that. In the same way, let your right living, let your good deeds, let everything that he's doing in you shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. This is influence. So the reason, one of the reasons we get close to God, one of the reasons we offer up our spiritual formation, our effort, our work, our discipline, the reason that we do that is not because we have to, it's because we get to, we want to. And what happens, the reason why we do that is because we're in relationship, not religion. We, when, what happens when we do that is we persevere and we don't back away. Our children see their parents walk through the fire and they are not burned. Our children see the parents walk through difficulty but yet cling to the word of God and walk with God, not give up, not back away, not lose out with God and quit church. No, they see them press in. You see, the people around us, you're your classmates at school, your neighbors, your coworkers, the people at soccer and football games, they see your life. They see your good deeds and, and everyone sees that and they go, wow, praising God saying, man, what's up with you? Guys, can I just tell you, this is so important that we get this, especially right now. As believers, the church, the way in which we're gonna change our world, the way in which we're gonna change our nation is not in the White House. The way in which we're gonna change and influence our nation is not with more laws or whatever. I'm not against those things. I know that has to happen, but guys, our influence, listen, the early church did not overthrow Rome or turn it upside down politically. They did so because they were living lives in which people were like, what is up with you? Because you can face the lions and the bears and the cats or whatever in the, in the arena. You can be burned alive at the stake and you don't care, you're still faithful. There was something about their lives where they were able to persevere. It wasn't about keeping rules, it was about a powerful relationship with God. And that right living flowed over to influence. And your neighbors and my neighbors and your friends at school and your coworkers, man, when you live in such a way that you're closer to God, I'm not talking about perfect. I'm not talking about, you know, overly spiritual or self-righteous. I'm just talking about you have a good relationship with God and you're working on it. You're putting forth an effort. You're forming your lives. When that happens, 
influence begins to happen. In their life. And they look at your life and they go, wow. So let me put it on the screen like this. The more we form our lives spiritually, the more influence we will have with those far from God. Bottom line. Not about politics. Not about power. Not about taking back anything. It is about us getting closer to God. And when we get closer to him, something happens. That transformation makes us into the image of Jesus. And when we're in the image of Jesus, people look at us and they go, I want, I want what you have. And that builds bridges with people far from God. One by one, one by one, neighbor by neighbor, friend by friend, coworker by coworker. Guys, that's why I pound on you about social media. I'm not, I'm not trying to beat that dead horse. All I'm saying is that, guys, you're losing influence by doing that. I promise you that. You're losing influence for the kingdom. You may be saying what you want, you may be getting your point out there, but you are losing influence with those around you because they look at you and they laugh. Guys, you're preaching to the choir, in other words. But what if, what if they see your life, they see your good deeds, they see the power in which you walk, the perseverance in which you walk, and they go, now that's something I can follow. Tell me more. Now, this is, good, this is good preaching. You're not saying amen, but I don't care. I'm gonna say it anyway. I'm gonna say it anyway. Jason, Jason, where are you, man? I need you. All right, so today, let's, let's take a step. Let's commit to take a step. I don't know where you are with God. I don't know if you've, if you've not yet surrendered to him and you're just sitting here today and you're just like, I don't know, man, I come, but I, I don't know if I get it, okay? What if you just researched? What if you did some research yourself? What if you read the gospels, let's just say? If you're not yet a believer, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you to take a step. If you are a believer, and, and, the, and the, the life that I just described, the spiritually formed life, where you put forth an effort, the Holy Spirit is always gonna do what he does. But when we work together and we partner, guys, our lives are totally changed. And it's a powerful change. It's not a religious change. It's not a superficial change. It is a loving joy, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control, gentleness. You understand what I'm saying? That's what happens in our lives when the Holy Spirit's working. When you're working, you get your point across. When the Holy Spirit's working, he gets his life and power across and the love of Christ. And it's, and it's awesome. So if you're a believer in the room and you need to adjust and you need to take some steps toward him in spiritual formation, maybe it's been years since you've really read the Bible. Maybe you've never read the Bible, never read scripture. I'm gonna, I'm gonna encourage you to take a step. And how are, we, how are we gonna do this? I want you to take the communion packet that you received when you walked in across all of our campuses. If you're watching online, get a cracker and some juice or wine and join us as we get ready to take the Lord's Supper. But raise your hand if, if you didn't receive one and the, they, they're gonna be glad to serve you. Just keep it up until you're served and across all of our campuses, but I want you to listen to me as, as, we, as we're served. <clears throat> Jesus 
lived the life that we couldn't live, okay? So the bread represents his life, his body. And when he walked this earth, he walked the way, he showed us the way. And when we form our lives spiritually with the help of the Holy Spirit, we are conformed into this image, the image of Jesus. And then forming our lives, we do it in grace. We walk according to the grace that we have received through his blood, forgiveness of sin, reconciliation to the Father. That's why we remember what Jesus did. We remember the way he lived and his brokenness. We remember his humility. We remember his love and we remember the price that he paid. He worked so that you and I could be reconciled to the Father. We work so that we can walk in his purpose and offer up our lives to him. So as we take the Lord's Supper, Whatever that step is that you need to take, I want to encourage you to take it right now. In your mind, in your heart, just pray and say, Lord, I need to take a step. Whatever that is, take a step. Lord, I thank you for the life that you lived and the price that you paid. We eat this bread and we drink this cup remembering what you've done for us. But we also do it looking ahead at the life you've called us to. And may we take steps today partnering with the Holy Spirit to be transformed into the image of you, Jesus. Let's eat the bread together. Let's drink the cup together. May your kingdom come right now, right here, in our hearts as it is in heaven. And may we take steps today to become more like you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you stand all across our campuses? Would you stand with me? And, and we're gonna sing a song uh, as a prayer. So as you're standing there, you, you took the Lord's Supper. As a prayer, I want you to sing these words to him, knowing that this week, I'm gonna take a step. More of you, less of me. Let's sing together. Thanks for listening to Hope's weekend message. Visit hopefellowship.net and further connect with us by downloading the Hope app from the App Store or Google Play. Have a great day.